Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Maureen Falvey coaches and trains high potential advertising and marketing heads who want to lead with greater effectiveness, influence, and fulfillment by becoming the very best version of themselves. Over the course of a dynamic and rewarding 25-year advertising career, Maureen became more interested in the people behind all of those great ideas and in helping them answer the question, first posed by Mary Oliver, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I love that question. Today, Maureen solely focuses as a coach on getting to know who you are and what you want so that you can develop a clear and inspiring action plan to get you wherever you want to be. Whether you're stuck and want a positive shift towards something better, or you're of the mindset that pretty good just isn't good enough, leadership coaching can help you make the kind of powerful choices and changes that will transform the quality of your work and your relationships. Maureen, we are so thrilled to have you join us on Be Brave at Work today. I'm thrilled to be here, Ed. Thank you. I did a light bio of you, and I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about the work that you're currently doing and how you are actively interacting in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. If I were going to boil it down to something, the work that I do as a coach and a trainer is helping people. I'm their accountability partner in living and working on purpose instead of by accident. I just don't believe that too many good things happen accidentally. They happen by design. They happen by being brave, as you well know. And what I find on the other side of that is that it's a life and a work experience with fewer regrets. I don't want anyone looking back at the end of their week, their month, or God forbid, their life and say, what just happened? And so we design it and we put plans together and we hold ourselves accountable and we bravely look at what's on the other side and then we go for it. Uh, So that is the work I get to do every day as a coach and a trainer, and it is wildly fulfilling. Well, it's interesting because we both have somewhat similar careers. And, you know, I certainly encounter a number of people who I think do think that good fortune will get them there or that things happen by accident in a good way and they don't plan or they don't think about the next step or they just hope they'll get there, but maybe they won't. And it sounds like you meet very similar people in the marketplace. It's just a verb, right? A lot of people are in therapy, which is fantastic. My whole family are therapists. But coaching is based on that term stagecoach of taking you from where you are to where you want to be. 
And the wish is the beginning. I'm not against hope and wishes. It's just, but that's all it is, right? That's a desire. And then you get your pen and your paper and your courage and you map it out and you start to practice and you do these things and you figure out what you're made of. I know you're not a sociologist, but I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on why you think people are this way. If planning and thinking about your next steps and looking at where you are, where you want to go, seeing what gaps are there, why do you think too few people plan it as much as you and I think they should? Boy, is that a great question. I think most of us operate out of fear. And one day I'll write a book. I'll probably never write it, but train your brain like the dog that it is, right? Put that in the backseat. It thinks its job, I'm speaking of our brain, is to make us safe. But that's not why we're here. We're here to grow and to try stuff and to have a different experience tomorrow than the one we had today. It's almost trained into us of just do what you did before. Don't stick your neck out. I want everybody sticking their neck out. I want everybody trying new things. So I think it's fear. And I think it's people pleasing as well. Right. Don't want to get too big. Don't want to say too much. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Or the inner goo of just saying, maybe I don't deserve it. Well, all of those are observations we have heard over the last couple of years from people as to why I'm not brave at work. It could be due to fear of doing it. You know, the bravery it takes to actually say something that might be hard for somebody else to hear, but is intended to be helpful. Right. It could be damaging a relationship or fear of damaging the relationship, right? I mean, these are all very similar type of reasons we create. And we, of course, spend more time thinking about why we shouldn't do it than we spend yes. on thinking why we should do yes, it. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes. And so let's talk a little bit about fear, because fear sounds like something that influences the work that you do and yeah. the reason people don't plan what their next steps might be, and also avoiding bravery. You know, what are your thoughts or observations about this F word, fear? Yeah, the four letter F word at that. My experience with fear, my relationship to it has changed in that it used to be something that I would fight. I would say, I'm going to kick fear's butt today. You know, when we do that, we give it so much power. And I think there's a really interesting twist that we could bring to this four letter F word. There's a friend of mine and she's a fear coach. That's all she does. She coaches people around fear. That's her specific niche. And she happens to be Spanish. And she was interviewing a bullfighter in Spain on the topic of fear. She said, talk to us about this. And he said, my God, by the way, this bullfighter's father was gored to death in the ring. So speaking of fear, he said, my God, I don't fight it. If I go into that ring and I have no fear, I'll die. And if I go into that ring and I have too much, same thing. So I do the craziest thing. It shows up as it always does. And I just notice it. Sometimes I even talk to it and I say, hey, fear, I see you're here to do your job. I'm going to take just as much as I need, aka adrenaline, to get in there and do the thing I signed up to do. And I'm going to say no thanks to the rest. It sounds crazy. It sounds silly. But we can dialogue with it. It doesn't have to be this big thing. And then this a statement that I love to share with my coaching clients is, what if you were afraid and you did it anyway? What if the goal weren't to make the fear go away? And what if some degree of fear and stress actually helps us? If you ever go and listen to someone give a presentation and they have no adrenaline, no fear, oh my God, you're in for a really slow moving speech. So we can use some of it. And I just like looking at fear as not the enemy, but just something that we can say, I'm going to take it or leave it today. I mean, this feels like a little bit of a cultural misnomer that we have either been raised to believe or think that our goal is to eliminate fear, right? That you can actually operate and do things that are 
brave based and that they don't have fear as they go in to do it. And I think most people who have been brave, whether it's military braveness or heroic braveness, tell you I'm always fearful, right? That's not something you can eliminate. So I don't know where that premise started, that somehow you can beat or eliminate fear. It feels as though you need it in order to kind of keep you sharp in respect to whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. You know, what's interesting though, is you're talking about being brave at work. Safety has to be there. If you ever watch kids on a playground, just climbing higher, right? Then they fall, but they don't turn around and say, gee, I hope no one saw that. They are challenging themselves to go further with every bit of play, right? And if we had that experience at work, can you imagine? But the safety has to be there. You know, when I started in advertising 30 years ago, we weren't talking about empathy. We weren't talking about servant leadership. We are now because that's what makes people brave, a backdrop of safety. And I believe in you and you got this. And what do you need? Well, again, I know neither of us are sociologists, but it sounds as though, and it seems to make some sense that the reaction to fear may be taught, right? That as you're a kid and you're climbing up a Mm -hmm. ladder and you fall because you've never learned what the reaction to fear is or whatever that feeling was, you just got up and did it again, right? And you just said, well, that's how I'm supposed to feel. Yeah. It doesn't feel weird, right? But as you get older and get into junior high and high school, we start learning about the reaction to fear and, oh, you shouldn't do that or that's bad to do or that's problematic if you do that. And suddenly how I have a relationship with fear starts to change. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is from an actor, which most of our listeners probably have never heard of, Gregory Peck, who was very big in the 50s, 60s and uh, 70s. And later in his life, when he was in his 80s, he was doing a national tour in the U.S., a one man show talking about movies and his life. And of course, he won an Academy Award for the role of Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird, Mm. which I hope most people have read. But the interviewer said, you know, gee, Mr. Peck, you know, you've been doing this now for 60 years. You know, when you go out into an audience to talk with people, do you feel fear? And he says, absolutely. I said, even right now, right? Because I'm afraid I might say something I don't mean to say or something might come out wrong or it's not going to go the way that I hope, but I do it. What you said earlier, right? You face the fear, but you do it because it's all, you do it anyway, because it's all a very normal and natural part of moving forward. So, well, thanks for the little bit of a journey on the understanding of fear, because, you know, what we hear from others, and there are a number of reasons why we avoid being brave at work, but, you know, a clear leader, I haven't done a study, so I don't know what the percentage would be, but based on my own experience and in speaking with people, a clear leader is fear, that I'm afraid to say something. I don't know what the ramifications are going to be. I might not say it well. Uh, They might get upset, right? So I create all these reasons to not do it, even though what I'm attempting to say is intended to be helpful. Yes, yeah. There's a really cool trick that takes five seconds. Maybe you've heard of this one, but just just like snap out of it, right? (laughs) And so Mel Robbins, who knows she's a coach and she had her own talk show at some point and she's published a bunch of books, but she has this tool called the five second rule. And you count backwards from five, five, four, three, two, one. And when you get to one, it's like a rocket ship. And so what it does is it closes the gap between our intentions and our actions in five seconds, because most of the space in between those five seconds is nonsense, right? It's something that's going to stop us from doing something, not that's going to ignite the action. 
And it doesn't work the other way around. You can't go one, two, three, four, five, because our brain will go six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Forget it. I'm yeah. out of here. I'm not doing that thing. <laughs> so, so the five, four, three, two, one can help us be brave as well. So let's just clarify that for our listeners. So if I want to have a conversation with somebody where I need to tell them something that might be hard for them to hear, may not be, they might be very receptive or have heard it their whole life. And you're now another person telling them something that they have heard. You're suggesting I could count down five to one and that will help me be better prepared to say what I need to say. Yeah. And to move into action. Right. Because your brain will say, oh, maybe I'll hurt the person or maybe they'll be upset or blah, 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 blah. Right. It's the five seconds because, you know, your intentions are good. You want to give that feedback from a place of love and devotion. But your brain is playing a number on you. Right. And so we just want to move out of that. So whether it's making a scary sales call or one of the number one things that comes up in my coaching sessions, people will hire me for presentation skills. Then I get there and they say, no, no, that's not really what I need help with. I'm afraid to speak up in meetings particularly when someone more senior is in the room. Five, four, three, two, one. If you have a point of view in that room, I don't want you chickening out. Someone's waiting to hear it. Five, four, three, two, one. That's an interesting point of view. I I see it a little differently. Can I share? So move into that, right? Because there's so many unsaid things because of going back to the fear piece as well. Right, right. Fear, again, plays a significant role in how we interact with bravery and in relationships. So I I do want to move on to your bravery story, but I do want to inspire you, Maureen, to take some time and think about writing that book. And I, I heard the title that I think you should save the URL for, which is Train Your Brain Like the Dog It Is. I love that. I mean, if I'm not going to be curious to pick up that book and say, what is that about? What is that? What, what, what's this book talking about? And then see the content. That would be fantastic. But you've been leadership you. coaching. You've been working in active environments like marketing and advertising for a number of years. You're now doing leadership coaching. You have seen and have experienced all sorts of behavior, good and poor, on the part of other people. And you know, one of the things that we can do as leaders is play it back to people so they know that they're not alone. Because, you know, we all think we're the only ones who have this issue. Oh, I'm the only one who has a terrible boss. Human experience, yeah. Right. And no, you're not, right? Lots of people have this experience. So I hope it inspires you to find some time to work on that. So a lot of our guests share with us, Maureen, a bravery story, something that they didn't do in the past, a time they did not show bravery and the potential impacts it had on them or on their career or on relationships. And do you have a particular story that you could share with us? Yeah, going back to how we kicked this off, talking about regret, I was pretty far into my career and we had a $30 million piece of business, a big client, and I was a really good number two. We didn't have to stick my neck out. I could make stuff happen, but there was a boss person there for air cover. And then he lost his job and the window was open. Right. In advertising, by the way, you don't usually choose your ending. (laughs) It's chosen for you oftentimes. Um, It's chosen for you by others. It's chosen for you by others. Yes. And so the door was open for me to go through. And I had spent 12 years building relationships with these clients and they knew me and the trust was there. And I loved this client and I loved this agency. And if not me, who? I chickened out. I chickened out. I'm sure you've heard the statistic. A little bit of it's a male-female thing, right? Apparently, if a gentleman has three out of the 10 criteria to get a job, that's enough for him to go for it. And a woman thinks she needs 10 out of 10. So I might have had that mindset. And so I didn't go for it. And a new person came in and I was the number two again. And it didn't feel okay this time. And every day I looked at this new boss 
And he was sitting in my chair. And this wasn't from a place of ego. This was, I want to serve this client and this team and this agency. And because I wasn't brave, I will not have that opportunity. What do we do now? Do I sit with that? I talk about regret a lot. I have used the pain that I experienced around not being brave to propel me into action anytime I'm not now. I can't live with that. I can't live with that. And it's been a great journey in believing in myself, in going for it, and stepping up and stepping in when my instincts tell me it's time to do so. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And I think that's something that many people have probably experienced where there was an opportunity in front of them that upon reflection, they should have at least attempted to or talked to somebody about or done something about, and they never did. And now they regret it. I just finished reading a great book by Daniel Pink called The Power of Regret. Oh, that's a good one. Yes, it is. And he puts forth a premise that regret is good, right? Because we all think of regret as bad, but regret is good. And I can't remember the key reasons, but certainly one of them was that it propels us to do stuff differently, right? I'm not going to do that again. That's never going to happen to me again. I really shouldn't have done what I've done. Now I'm going to learn and apply it differently going forward. And that's kind of how we grow and evolve is by having regret. Yes. If you look at it as learning. If you beat yourself up about it, you miss the opportunity. You miss the meaning as such a gift, right? I used to run sessions called If I Knew Then What I Know Now and have the most senior people get up and share stories like you just asked me to do (laughs) of when they fell on their face, when they failed and how they got back up again, what they learned from it. And the fact that that's why they're sitting before you now as a C-suite person is that they looked at those situations as learning. How could we look at it any other way? They're wonderful gifts. And I believe all of those people all had a story. They did. Right. And I said, these aren't lecturing. We're going to be vulnerable here. I really want you to like, we're not telling people what to do. And when we did those agency sessions, it was the only time that it was standing room only. We are hungry for vulnerability. We are hungry to have it be okay to fail and to learn and to get back up again. Which if we had time in another podcast, we would talk about this other cultural behavior we have created, which says the more senior you are in an organization, this isn't true everywhere, but in lots of organizations, the more senior you are, the more perfect you are, right? That if you're president of a company, oh my God, you must have been perfect your whole life and have done everything right. And that's how you got to this role. And of course, they would go home, look in the mirror and laugh and say, I am the most imperfect person out there. But we believe that the more senior they are, and of course, there are people who have a level of arrogance who believe that they're perfect, right? And everything they say is correct. They don't have to listen to others. But vulnerability is key. And all of us have stories. All of us have a story of something we could look back on and have done a little bit differently to be a little bit more effective. Absolutely right. Well, Maureen, thank you so much for your time today. It was great speaking with you. And thank you for joining me on that little dive into fear. Again, I think fear is such a key player in the world of bravery at work. And if folks want to talk more with you or find out more about the work that you're doing, where can they go? Yeah, we would love that. All of the coaches and trainers at Strong Training and Coaching love what we do. We are always looking for opportunities to do more of it. And so you can find us at markstrongcoaching.com. M-A-R-K-S-T-R-O-N-G coaching.com. How would you like to have a last name strong? I love that. So markstrongcoaching.com. <laughs> It's great. We help people be strong strong. so they can be strong in life. So it works well. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Maureen, thank you so much for joining us today on Be Brave at Work. My pleasure, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next 
podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at capitrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.